The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Now let's go. Do your kids have some talent that you just watch and you're like, man, I just love to watch you do that. Maybe it's soccer. Maybe it's playing piano or the violin or baking meringues, whatever it is. I'm sure your kids have some activity that they perform and they feel pressure from and they want to do better. That's exactly what today's guest is going to help us with is how to help our kids manage the pressure of performance. Uh, On a personal note, I saved this episode to come out for opening weekend of a local children's teen musical that my kids are participating in because I knew that this was the week I needed to hear it again. So I hope that it also comes out as at a meaningful time for you and that you have an amazing weekend with your family. I am excited today to welcome Jay Toft. Um, He stumbled into my email box and I don't um, always reply to pitches, but his was really good. And I want to have a conversation with Jay about kids in sports and performance and stress. So welcome, Jay. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, happy that happy that we could make this work um, and, and find some time. So no, excited to be here. Um, honored that you ha- um, ha- would consider having me as a guest for your people. I know it's not a small thing to, to bring somebody on in front of your audience. So really excited to be here. Looking forward to adding as much value as we can here in the next hour or so. Excellent. So Jay, you work with kids with sports, right? You're a performance coach? Yeah, so my background, the the formal training is in high performance and sports psychology. Um, So I have a graduate degree in that. Um, And then from there, you know, that's what I came out here to Denver about seven years ago for. So um, from there, um, right around that time, spent about two years down at the Olympic Training Center. We have one in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which is just about about a 50 minute drive south of Denver, depending on where you start. <laughs> yeah. Um, so spent about two years down there um, and then had since gone into practice for myself 
myself really um, focusing on applying, you know, the work that I've done with professional Olympic athletes and really making and really trying to figure out, you know, to apply that to a younger developing athletes in the demographic and really, you know, just from a standpoint of, you know, the theory that I had is if we could teach these younger developing athletes and performers how to better handle stress and pressure and adversity at a younger age, they'd be far better equipped um, to, to face those things the first time that they, they came upon them um, as opposed to not having those skills and then having to learn, learn it on the fly. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's way easier to be prepared and be proactive with these things. But a lot of the time we don't know what to expect for our kids. Like we get them into playing soccer or trying out Taekwondo or, or whatever sport golf is really big in my neighborhood. And we don't expect them necessarily to become these, maybe some people do expect their kids to become high performers and to go that college athlete, become a scholarship. So if you're having a kid that's just starting sports, what would you tell a parent there with someone well, brand new? Absolutely. I think that's I think that's a great question because I think the world of youth sport is becoming obviously more competitive at a younger and younger age. And it's becoming, you know, really kind of a challenging environment um, for parents to navigate. And I think the first thing that I have a conversation with parents about is really helping them understand, you know, what is truly the best way to think about developing their athlete. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see parents make is, you know, so for example, maybe their athlete is a young golfer and they enjoy golf um, and, and the parent sees that they're very talented at golf. Mm -hmm. I would really hesitate to tell the parent to say, OK, that's great, but let's maybe not specialize in golf at too young of an age, because I think one of the things that gets lost um, with parents who have maybe a very athletic child or a very athletically gifted child is the parent, you know, we, we get caught up in trying to immediately assign them to a sport, right? So the parent will think, well, you know, I have just this, he's just this great, or he or she is just this great little golfer. Yep. Um, when in fact, you what you really have is a great little athlete and they're going to be doing, they're going to, there's going to be so much development physically and, you know, emotionally and mentally um, maturity that's going to happen where, you know, just because they're good at golf, that doesn't mean that they might not be good at other things. And in fact, if you allow them to explore other sports, odds are that's going to help them develop much better athletically. Because really, when we think about development, there's really four areas. Um, okay. And this is something that we this is really something that we really talked a lot about when I was down at the Olympic Training Center. Is that there's really four areas that you can develop when it comes to really any craft, but especially a sport or a performance domain. Um, the first area is physical. Okay. Okay. So obviously, this is bigger, faster, stronger. Mm -hmm. okay, so this is why you start to see, you know, younger and younger athletes, they'll start doing strength training or, or conditioning or, or whatever it may be just for the, the ability to be bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive. That's the first element of their sport. The second element is the technical side. So these are all the individual techniques and the individual, the individual motor programs and muscle movements that they need to obviously be able to replicate and repeat over and over again at a very high with a very high degree of accuracy. Okay, so a golfer's swing, mm -hmm. a basketball player's jump shot, uh, a quarterback's throwing motion. These are all the tech, the individual techniques 
of their sport. And then you have the tactical side of their sport, which is some might call this game IQ, but it's really an understanding of strategy and how do we, how, do, how are we able to make adjustments and things of that nature? Do we understand what the opponent's trying to do to us from a strategic standpoint? Um, it's kind of like the inner chess of the game itself. Yeah, it's like the Wayne Gretzky quote of like, I go where the puck is, not where exactly. it currently exactly. is. Or where and it's then the be. fourth and final area of sport, of, of really the development of any craft, is the mental side. And yeah. I think this is an area where, you know, when young parents, when they, when they have a young athlete and they're thinking about, you know, really putting a lot of resources, maybe they identify that the, that the athlete is very athletically gifted. Um, they immediately think about, well, let's, let's think about some resources that we can give to the athlete. And almost always, the majority of parents and the, really the majority of athletes will develop those first three areas of their sport, um, the physical, the technical, and the tactical. Yeah. And many times, we don't really think about the mental side of the sport, which is really the ability to handle the stress and the pressure and the adversity that comes from sport in a productive way. You know, how do we hone our focus? How do we handle the emotions of the game? Um, because we really don't, we don't really place a lot of importance on that area of, of the game until we start to see problems and until we start to see, you know, things going wrong. Right? Like your kid walks off the field and throws the tantrum because they just didn't handle that. Um, we'd played a lot of soccer. So like corner kicks mm. went poorly or you missed the catch with the goalie and, or the other team outperformed you. That's, those are mm-hmm. hard things to handle the no and we put kids in sports i think become better physically but also to learn these mental skills because mm-hmm. we want them to become successful adults so how do you work on the mental skill part of performance absolutely that's a great question i think it can look it can look a variety of different ways and i think one of the things that i certainly would like to see and that i see certainly more and more of you know out here in denver i work with and have worked with you know approximately 16 you know very high level like youth sport organizations i mean these are big massive organizations working with coaches and you know working with the parents and and then obviously doing doing a lot of work with athletes i mean it got to a point to where i think you know the last several years it's been you know roughly about 5000 you know athletes parents and coaches you know impacted across all those all those organizations and i think i would like to I think we're going to we're going to transition to a place where you start to see these resources more readily available, hopefully within the actual organizations. And I think a big part of that's going to probably be up to the consumer, up to Mm -hmm. the parents who are writing the checks to say, you know, hey, you know, I recognize this is an important area of my athlete's development. What are we doing here? Because I think it can look like a lot of different things. I think it could be something as simple as watching YouTube videos or reading a book or having them, you know, listen to somebody or, or, or it could be something a little bit more formal, such as taking an online course or even more in-depth than that of working one-on-one with somebody um, such as myself. I think, I think what matters is that something is being done um, in terms of making sure at least that there's an awareness around, hey, this is going to be just probably just as important, just as important piece of their development long term as these other areas. And, you know, if we are going to be, you know, spend, you know, spending all these resources, time, energy, of course, money 
um, on U-Sport. I think, you know, as of as of 2020, as of next year, I believe U-Sport is going to be, you know, close to a $25 billion industry. Wow, you know, that's like it, huge. It, it, that's a huge it, family it, investment overall. It's crazy. It really is, you know, and, and you know, I, I think there's a, probably a, a complete rabbit hole side conversation <laughs> about, you know, whether or not that's valid, whether or not that's justified. Uh-huh. Um, because like I said, I think it's, it's tremendously challenging for families these days to navigate the world of youth sport and to identify good organizations that are, you know, focused on development and not so much focused on, you know, playing games or winning tournaments or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's another little side tangent. But I think there's a variety of different ways to get started. Um, you know, like I told you in the pre-show, you know, I've got a free way for them to get started over on the website. There's a there's a free guide um, that I've got trained with Perk. Perk is P-E-R-C dot com slash free guide. And that free guide, it's about a 10 minute read for really anybody. And, you know, it contains three easy to install little tools that awesome. will help somebody, somebody get started. But um, as far as, you know, from like a very high level, I think... For parents, we really need to be able to make sure that, you know, are we raising athletes that are very self-aware, you know, that are able to, you know, and self-awareness is really just the ability to recognize the impact that we have on our environment as well as the impact that we have on ourselves. And that's really incredibly important for a young athlete because I sit down with so many young athletes who they don't even really understand or they can't even really identify right away what maybe some of these unproductive thought habits that they have are or some of these unproductive relationships that they have with their emotions or the unproductive relationship that they have with failure or their tendency towards perfectionism and Mm -hmm. pessimism. And really what we're talking about here is really just some unproductive mindsets because a mindset is nothing more than just the patterned way that we think. And it's our thought habits. And mental training for really anybody, but especially young people, really starts with an awareness, a really deep awareness. And and I've done this with with athletes as young as 10 years old, but really a deep awareness of being able to recognize when, you know, something as simple as when I think like this or when I talk to myself this way or when I allow my emotions to impact my behavior in this manner, that's really unproductive for me. And I think that's a great place to start. Are there are there phrases that parents say that help create these unproductive thoughts in their kids? Are there phrases that we can say? I know that it was a big push in um, our local sports organizations here to to help parents be quieter on the sidelines and just let the sure. coaches coach. Sure, um, sure. But are there things like as I pick up my kid from practice or conversations in our kitchen on game day or after game day? that could help give these tools to them? Yeah, and I think I think the underlying the underlying thought process there, the underlying reason where, you know, I think parents should be very conscious about how they talk to their athletes about their sport is really around the formation of the young person's identity and specifically how much of what they're uh, how much of what they're doing in terms of their sport is becoming who they are. And then I think from there, so, so maybe we can unpack that yeah. a little bit and then, and then that'll really inform, you know, kind of how, what, what sorts of things should we say or what sorts of things should we be conscious of? Cause I think it has less to do with the specific phrases and more to do with maybe the underlying intent and maybe the underlying, <laughs> Always. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe the underlying like, you know, unproductive thinking around like some of the things that parents yep. say to their kids. So back to the identity piece. 
it's really, really important to be conscious, like I said, of how much of your young, for any parent listening, for how much of your, what your young athlete is doing, whether it's any sport or any performance domain or even school, right? When you say performance domain, what do you mean, Jay? So performing art, right? So I work with performing artists like musicians, um, actors, actresses, things like that. So I generally, you know, so you have athletes and then the performer piece, I would, I would pretty much put those in, you know, like a, like a performing art of some sort. Okay, Um, great. I totally relate because my kids are musical kids and they're in like shows. Yep. And in, in many respects, you know, young, you know, we're all performers in mm-hmm. a sense, right? Um, but in many, in many respects, those performing artists, um, they they experience many of the same challenges mm-hmm. that a young athlete does. Um, it's a very similar journey. So that's where I kind of put those kind of in this yep. in a very similar box on the mental side. Um, but back to the athlete piece or the identity piece. Yeah. So. A young person's identity is the same as my identity. It's the same as your identity, Christy. So Christy's identity is really made up of two things. The first thing is how does Christy perceive that the world around her finds value in her? Okay. Right? The sec- and then the second piece of anyone's identity is how Christy finds value in herself. Now, obviously, the relationship between how we perceive the world values us and how we per- and how we find value in ourselves can be very closely connected. But mm-hmm. that's really a person's identity. So, when we think about pressure and we think about you know the pressure that our kids feel, whether they're a performing artist yeah. or whether they're an athlete. Is the exact same pressure that we saw, you know, Simone Biles dealing with um, over the course of the Olympics. It's the it's the yep. exact same pressure, and I think we we have a lot of conversations about the effects of pressure, um, but we don't always have a have a really deep conversation about where pressure comes from and why people experience this psychological phenomenon known as pressure. Because pressure, at the end of the day, comes from when we feel as though our identity is threatened in a certain situation. Whoa, can you repeat that one more time, actually? Yeah, yeah. So we feel pressure as people when we find ourselves in a situation where, based on the result of that situation, we perceive that there may be a potential threat to our identity. So if we break that down a little bit, Mm -hmm. you think of a young athlete who... So I'll give you a personal, I'll give you a case study. So a young athlete just came to me, um, high school athlete, high school football player going into his sophomore season. Um, and his entire life, he's always been very athletically gifted, right? He's mm-hmm. always been the fast, the big, the, you know, he's always been really, really good at sports. It's just something that's come naturally to him. He's also put a lot of time and energy and work into it. Yeah. And so... To the to the world around him, the world around him has always seen him. What do we do as people? We we always see they they the world around him has started seeing him as an athlete, right? They still see him. Let's call him, you know, just for the sake of confidentiality, let's call him Mike, right? Yeah. They they see Mike as certainly Mike the person, but we really, you know, a lot of people see Mike as wow, Mike's just this really good athlete. He's just so fast. He's really athletically gifted. Certainly, Mike is going to get a Division One scholarship. Okay, so you think about the world around Mike, right? Mike, what do his parents talk to Mike a lot about? What do they spend a lot of their time and energy and resource? What are a lot of weekends dedicated towards when it comes to Mike, right? Yeah. When Mike, um, who is who is the majority of Mike's fa- um, friends, right? Probably his teammates or people mm-hmm. that he plays his sport with. 
the the most influential people in Mike's life are closely connected to probably his sport in the form of coaches or mentors or things like that or private coaches that he has. Yeah. Um, you know, so like his a big part of his world has become sport when grandma and grandma come over for Thanksgiving dinner. What do they talk to Mike about, right? They talk to Mike about <laughs> football. Exactly. So it, very, and this is a very common thing, right? And I think many times parents, when they have a very athletically gifted child, they throw the world at them. If they have the resources, right. they throw all the resources because they want to support the child. Yeah, they want but that we, kid to succeed so much. Exactly, exactly. But we forget, though, that at times, at this point, you know, how much, so again, back to identity, how much of Mike's perceived value to the, mm-hmm. I'll say that again, how much of Mike's value to the world around him has to do with football? And then thus, how much of Mike's value to himself is closely connected to football? Because obviously now it's a, it's a big part of Mike's present self. Yeah. Right? It's a big part of the version that he is now, but even more so, He's got dreams. He wants to go to college. He wants to go as far as he can in football. And so it's not just a big part of who he is now, but it's also a big part of who he wants to uh, who he wants to be in the future. Yeah. So it's thus become a big part of his identity. Well, Mike just got hurt. I was going to say, just, where's the injury? Fractured, Mike, or Mike, oh. just fractured, Mike just fractured his foot. So think about now. Oh, think my heart now. shatters, and I don't Mike even knows. know the kid. Yeah. Right, and, and fortunately, it, it should not be a career-ending injury, but that's not how Mike thinks about it. Right, right. Mike, well, yeah, he's a young kid, and everything's right. on this. He's the young kid, and exactly, every, you just nailed it. Everything, or at least, because again, it feels like it, reality, right. it feels to Mike, he perceives that everything, legitimately, everything is on this his entire the, the entire sense of worth that he has to the world around him is has become very closely connected to football and so when mike gets hurt or when mike goes into a situation where maybe there's a scout that shows up and he needs to perform he's going to feel a sense of pressure because again if pressure comes from when we feel like our identity is threatened. Mm-hmm. What do you think what, how do you think mike feels about the situation where he gets hurt? Well, he, that's a very real threat. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very raw evolutionary reaction to this, this creating this massive fight or flight response because he feels a very raw sense of fear. And that fear is that if I don't get back out there on the court, who am I? Yeah. And that is a very heavy conversation for a 16-year-old, for a 13-year-old, for any young developing athlete to be able to face. So... We, we connect that back to your original question of how should we be talking to our athletes? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things for parents is to be very, very conscious of how much time do we spend talking to our young athlete about their sport? How much do the people around them spend time talking to their athlete about their sport? How much does the athlete talk to themselves probably mm-hmm. about their sport? Because, and again, this this whole identity thing, it's not always on the parents. It's not always the parents' right. fault. Sometimes, sometimes the athletes are just like, I'm a football player or I'm an athlete and I'm going to be great and yada, yada, yada. And then in, in that situation, honestly, it's probably on the parents to remind the young athlete that, you know, their value to the world around them, their value is a lot more to do with or is a lot. There's a lot more value to them outside of this thing that they're doing. 
And so one of the big, I think one of the most powerful things a parent can specifically say is, you know, really finding a way to remind the young athlete that, hey, you also have value here as our child. You yeah. also have value here as potentially a sibling or as a student or as, you know, somebody who enjoys other things outside of their sport. Because when what we do, and, and we see this in people, this is not just a, a phenomenon that's, uh, we see this in adults, right? I, this is not no, as you're talking about this, right? Like I'm thinking about the kids that are all A achievers that mm-hmm. suddenly aren't all A right. achievers or a grown up who loses their job during the pandemic sure. right now and suddenly loses their identity or a 100%. health crisis. There's so much this applies to. 100%. And I think, I think there's always been this myth that, you know, that it's only the elite of the elite athletes that feel pressure. Yeah. That couldn't be further from the truth. That's that's absolutely a garbage take because, you know, there's there's an eight year old somewhere that's going to that feels pressure right now because they're pitching in some tournament. There's a you know, there's a high schooler that feels pressure because they're going up to a potential significant other that they're attracted to. And as like you said, there's a parent that woke <laughs> up this morning that feels pressure to go do well at their job because that's intrinsically tied to who they are and the role that they play yep. in their life. So absolutely. So we all feel pressure and I'm not, and I'm, and I'm certainly not going to tell you that pressure is a bad thing, but there is a point where there's a concept known as overinvestment and okay. overinvestment is this idea of what you do has become so much of who you are, right? Like you've, Oh, your, your identity is overinvested into this one mm-hmm. thing, whether it's sport or performance domain or as an adult, your career. There's such an overinvestment that it's really impacting the other roles that you're able to play in your life. And it's even gotten to a point where the amount of pressure that you feel almost makes it impossible for you to perform at your highest level. So pressure is not inherently good or bad. Pressure is just pressure, mm-hmm. right? And if we if we have a productive relationship with it, which is what I w- work really hard with my athletes on, if we have a productive relationship with it, it's really, you know, these elite athletes that we see that perform, you know, on on TV and primetime, you know, and they're able to go out there and perform. They've created a relationship with pressure. Many of them have created a relationship with pressure where pressure is just a sign that, hey, I'm, I'm here in this moment. This is a moment that I want to be in because this is this hold this does hold some importance to me, but it doesn't hold a level of importance where based on my performance, it's going to directly impact the, the value and the worth that I have to the world yeah. around me. Those are two, you, know, you kind of think about it like a spectrum. Those are two very big. different things. <laughs> yeah, those are big changes. Yeah, it, and I think it was really obvious with this year's Olympics, right? That there were some really good examples of what it looks like when an athlete feels that much pressure with Simone Biles. And um, I think there was some tennis athletes, I'm not big on names, that were also experiencing those sort of pressures this summer. Naomi Osaka came yes. out and was, she was dealing with some stuff. Yeah. So, so when you... So basically what you're saying is to help our kids remember that their worth is not just tied to one and only one thing. Yeah, I think that's a very, you know, if there, if I was to, you know, write a book and maybe I will <laughs> at some point. But if I, if I was going to create like a pillar, one of yeah. the maybe four or five pillars of, of parenting a young athlete, um, their ability to form a really healthy relationship and a really balanced identity around this thing that they're doing is paramount. It's absolutely critical because... You think about, you know, in think about this and 
one of the things about a mindset is the mindset that we have in one area of our life often translates to other areas of our life yep. maybe later on. So you're a high-achieving athlete and a very results-driven high-achieving athlete. Generally, you become that same person later on in life in your career. Well, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who, as a young person, you've developed this habit of this thing that I'm doing is basically the entirety of the worth that I have to the mm-hmm. world, and you never correct that, odds are that's going to translate to your adult life as well. Yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it out there in people. So we have this awesome opportunity with our kids, and yeah. I, I'm glad that you broke it down into that pressure is normal and that there's mm-hmm. ways that we can reframe it. Do you have any other super tangible action steps that a parent can take if they're noticing their child is under pressure or talking about like not responding well to like audition stress or coaching? Yeah. What What is an easy step to kind of like notice it and to be able to talk about it with our kids? I think one of the things that's very closely tied to pressure Mm -hmm. is obviously the emotional experience that comes from pressure. And I think that I see maybe a little bit of flawed thinking, I mean, across social media, but in in, in a lot of parents and really a lot of athletes. And I think the relationship that them in this, we're going to get a little high level here and we'll kind of dial it down into something very tactical. I think the majority of people, so at a very high level, I think the majority of people, especially young people and young young athletes or performers, mm-hmm. the relationship that they have with their emotion is this. I need to not feel fear, worry, anger, doubt, frustration. I need to not feel those things in order to do the things that I need to do and perform at my best. That right there is just fundamentally flawed. Yeah. This idea that we need to get rid of emotions, this idea that we need the fear to go away or the worry or the doubt or the frustration or the anger to go away in order to do the things that we need to be able to do. And so what that what eventually happens then is young athletes will do one of three things when they feel emotion or performers or Mm -hmm. really anybody. One of three things. They'll try to ignore it, Mm -hmm. right? Pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, They'll try and change it into something that it isn't, right? And this is the classic, you know, young Timmy strikes out in a t-ball in a t-ball game somehow and Timmy's frustrated and his mom yells from the stands, oh, Timmy, it's okay. Don't be frustrated. No, no, no. Timmy has every right to be frustrated. Let the feelings be felt. we We should teach Timmy that frustration is a perfectly natural feeling. It's painful, it's not easy to feel, and it's certainly not easy for a parent to watch their young athlete dealing with emotions. Nope. <laughs> but we need to allow them to deal with emotions because if we condition our kids that they shouldn't feel emotion, then when they feel the inevitable emotion that's going to happen in their sport, they're inherently going to think that, well, there must be something wrong with me or I need to do everything in my power to get rid of this thing. Gotcha. Okay? So we, if we try to ignore it, we try to change it into something that it's not, or inevitably we try to end up fighting either the emotion or the thing that brought about the emotion. All three of those things are really, really unproductive, right? All the, all three of those things yep. will lead to, you know, what we call in psychology and what I call what, what I work on with my athletes. All three of those things lead to something known as emotionally driven action. Okay, so 
lashing out because somebody made you angry or trying to get trying to ignore an emotion and then now all of a sudden you're 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 caught up in the past or in the future because you're really just thinking about that emotion all these things are you know we can make an entire list but all these things yeah. are emotionally driven action anytime we take an action that's driven by an emotion almost always that's going to lead that's going to put us in a position where we are less likely to get success in that situation. So let's get real tactical here then with parents. Yes, parents please. out there, they see young Timmy get emotional or they see young Susie get emotional. The thing that I would say to parents is let's have a conversation with them about, hey, it's okay to feel that way. It's totally normal. I feel this way at work. Right? I think one of the things that parents forget about is that you have a lot of experience, a lot of life experience. And if you want to be able to connect well with your kids, one of the things that we need is, an, is the ability to connect with people, is, is to feel as though we relate to those yep. people, that we're connected to those people. And so one of the things that I'll tell parents is, you know, you know I, parents are like, oh, I, don't, I, I couldn't possibly understand or even know where to begin to, you know, have a conversation with my young child about how, how, how they feel emotions when they feel pressure. And my response to them is, have you ever felt emotions <laughs> in a pressure situation? Sure you do. Every single day. Yeah. You wake up. You probably had a presentation at work or a situation in your job where you felt this way or you had your boss, you know, get on yeah. your case for something like that. And you had to deal with that productively. Well, why not talk to talk? Why not frame that and, allow, and, and have a conversation that starts with, hey, listen, I totally get how you're feeling or, or I can understand where you're coming from. This happened to me. Here's how I had to deal with it. You need to allow yourself to feel these emotions. It's okay to feel that way. Just let them know that it's normal. Mm-hmm. You know, in psychology, we call this normalizing. Yeah. There's nothing more powerful than, you know, when you go and sit down with somebody and they don't try and, you know, you know, tell you what to do, but they just say, hey, I understand. Yeah. Like that's, that's a really hard feeling. And that allows the child to immediately we start creating in the child a much more productive relationship with their emotions in that emotions aren't good or bad. They're just emotions. They're just feelings. Can we create a relationship in our children with their emotions, especially young athletes and performers, but really anybody? Mm-hmm. Can we create this relationship with their emotions where, you know, the hallmark would be they're able to feel fear and worry and doubt and anger and frustration. And not only are they not going to allow those emotions to impact what they do, but in, in fact, maybe they start to take some actions in spite of those emotions. And that's a really powerful mechanism when yeah. you start to see it take place. I think that if a parent wasn't uh, listening from like the athlete or performance mom perspective, that this conversation is really powerful just for anybody that to be able to know how to apply our feelings to our kids and say, hey, this is normal. I felt this too, is um, probably more of what parents need to hear. <laughs> I would say that the majority, uh, I would say that, you know, great, more, certainly more than half of the work that I do with Olympic athletes, national team athletes, professional team athletes, and professional athletes, and certainly developing athletes. Yeah really centers around emotions, honestly. That makes total sense to me. We're really scared of emotions as a yep. society at large. Yeah, and, 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 and I think the thing that we need to really teach our kids is that emotions are part of life. Emotions are, 
you know, not to get super foo-foo here, but like, with, I mean, think about it, right? Like yeah. I'll, I'll have conversations with high schoolers and it's like, well, think about, I mean, how much depth would there be to your life if you just didn't have any emotions? If you never, think about this, if you never yeah. felt fear or worry or doubt or anger or frustration uh, uh, centered around the thing that you're doing, how much would you actually care then? Because that's really the yeah, conversation you wouldn't. have with yeah. athletes. Exactly. Like you feel this way. First and foremost, you feel this way because you give a darn about yep. what you're doing. And so when I have conversations or when I have, you know, I've had, you know, hundreds, a thousand at this point, thousands of, of individual consults with yeah. athletes. And I will straight up tell them, if you're here because you want me to make the fear and the worry and the doubt and the anger and the shame and the, and the frustration go away, you're barking up the wrong tree because you feel that way because you care. It's not my job to take that away because I would literally, in order for me to take the emotion away, I would have to take away your ability to, to care about what you do. And that's obviously going to lead to a variety of much more unproductive things down the road. But what we can do is teach you how to handle those emotions, yep. teach you what they mean, help you understand where they're coming from, why they're happening, but more importantly, to change your relationship with those emotions into something where, quite simply, the emotion doesn't impact what you do. Yeah. Right. Because that's that's really the only the only reason emotions are bad. The only thing that makes an emotion bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we love to label and we love we to do. we love to judge. <laughs> right. Yep. But the only thing that makes an emotion inherently bad is if it impacts what we do. Is the Otherwise, action we take when we 100%. when we respond 100%. to it. Exactly. Well, wow. This has been a really, really productive conversation. You mentioned before that you had a freebie to give away or a gift. I did, yeah. Yep, it's that, it's that free guide um, that I mentioned earlier. And it's over at Train With Perk. So my website is Train With Perk. Perk is P-E-R-C. So trainwithperk.com slash free guide. And like I said, if, if there's a parent out there and they're like, you know what? We either see some signs that our young athlete is or young performer yep. is maybe not handling some of these things that we talked about today, or maybe there it's some maybe it's something as simple as they're not able to translate their practice performance to a game performance. That's yeah. probably the, the biggest hallmark sign of somebody who needs some mental game help is they're not able oh. to perform as well in a game as they do in practice. Or one of the other things that we talked yeah. about. I would really encourage them to get over trainwithperk.com, P-E-R-C.com yep. slash free guide. That free guide contains three easy, easy little things, some, some of which we've talked about today that's yeah. really going to help them. Um, but it's going to help them with self-awareness. It's going to help them with focus. It's going to help them, you know, just kind of discipline their mind a little bit. It's got actual tools and a few exercises. I mean, it's literally the exact same stuff that I do with my athletes at the highest level. I put three simple things in there into a free guide and you can find that over there. That's awesome. And it will be directly linked into the show notes. And as a mom of kids in musical theater and that are more of the performer um, musician type, this is really applicable to me. But also I feel like when you were having the conversation of you feel this way because you give a darn, I think every mom needs to give themselves a big hug because the <laughs> biggest thing that we talk about in motherhood and parenthood is that like you care and you feel like you're because you give a darn so much that you wouldn't judge yourself so harshly if you didn't actually care. It's that pressure. Isn't it amazing how we're all performers? We in are. In one way or another. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this meaningful conversation. And as always, we wrap up the show with a self-care idea and a family fun idea. Do you have any ideas for those, Jay? What about the self-care? The personal self-care idea, I would highly recommend if you haven't to start saunaing regularly. I don't know if saunaing is a word, but jumping (laughs) into a sauna. Maybe it's it's sauna bathing. I don't know. I don't know what the Swedish call it. But um, I I have become very, very fond of jumping into a sauna. Um, We're very fortunate. I actually built one in our basement. Oh, cool. um, With a humidifier, that sort of thing. But if you have one available at like your local gym or whatever it may be, I think there's just, I mean, A, just Google the benefits, the health benefits of being in a sauna. But I also think it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous way to take care of yourself because you're by yourself, you're sweating, um, you know, you're kind of detoxing a little bit, but it's also a great place to, whether you're into meditation or some sort of mindfulness, but just to kind of be with your own thoughts for maybe 20, 25, 30 minutes, depending on how long you can stand it. Um, certainly work your way up to it, yeah. but it has been, it is, it is rapidly, it was a, it was a suggestion by my wife and it has become a rapid, it's become rapidly a, a core component of what I do every single day. That's awesome. Yeah. My parents yeah. have a sauna in their basement and when I get to go yes. visit them, it is, it is a highlight to sit really in there. Is. It really is. I mean, it, it's crazy. The research, I mean, it's really just crazy. The research, I mean, whether it's heart disease or dementia or whatever it may be, just so many benefits, quickens your metabolism. It just, I think there's, there's an article I found. It's got like 12 amazing benefits of just being, jumping in a sauna, you know, five to five to seven times a day. It's crazy. That's or five a, to seven, not a day, five to seven times a week. Right? It's that like, would wow, be a lot. you're dehydrated just a lot. constantly dehydrated, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so what about some family fun ideas? How can families slow down and connect? I, I, I mean, I'm out here in Colorado. So the first thing that comes to mind is a hike. Now, if you don't have the Rocky Mountains out, out your backyard, just get out and go for a walk, right? I think getting out and getting away from technology and being, I, you know, it's funny you use that word, you know, how can families get away from connect or yeah. you know, how can families connect more? Well, I think it starts by deconnecting or disconnecting <laughs> from yep. technology, from jobs. And that's, and listen, that's just as much on the parents as it is the children oh, yeah. too, right? Because if you're going to ask your child to disconnect on a walk or a hike from the the phones or the gadgets or the technology, well, that also means that you have to disconnect from probably your job. Right. Yep. And that means, you know, many times, you know, we, we do things or whether it's a sauna or whatever it may be, but mentally we're not in that thing. Right. So it does no good to, you know, go out on a hike, or go on a walk with your family if mentally you're still in your job or if mentally you're in the future thinking about what you need to do for dinner. So I think anything that you can do to just get present with your family. Yeah. Um, is is paramount it's very 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 important obviously and i would suggest i think a, i think a hike a walk just getting out it forces conversation um it's something that you know i try and do you know several times a week with my wife it's very very good it gets her away from her career gets me yeah. away from this work it's just it's it's good all the way around yeah and i think there's different conversations you can have when you're shoulder to shoulder or have the nature to kind of stare off at that allows mm. things to bubble up that that would take more time if you were staring down each other or you wouldn't have we, the conversations. I don't think we do enough job re- of reflecting. I think reflection is probably something we just don't spend enough time, maybe for the lack of time or the perceived lack of time, um, 
or just all the other responsibilities. But I think the ability to reflect is probably one of the most underrated either skills and or activities that people can do. And it's certainly something that I, I force my clients to do is really instill this ability to reflect. So one last question for you. You suggested the parents like shut off their mind from work. Do you have like a quick tip of how you do that besides turning off devices all the way? Yeah, um, I, I don't know how many, if you've had a lot of guests or had a lot of conversations. I know you do kind of your breathe with yeah. me, stuff like that. I love those. And really what that is, is certainly it's a meditative type exercise, yep. but what it really is, is a mindfulness exercise. Absolutely. And mindfulness, and mindfulness is nothing more, you know, it's kind of become this cliche yeah. internet trend. It's a really buzzword right media, now. Right? Uh-huh. It's a buzzword, but at the end of the day, mindfulness is, is awareness, right? It's an awareness of where our mind is, where our thoughts are. Um, so one of the one of the exercises that I do, you know, it's a very it's about as simple of a mindfulness exercise as you can possibly mm-hmm. do is an exercise known as count your breathing. And so not just breathe, but also count your breathing. Yep. So in and out is one, in and out is two, in and out is three. When your mind wanders, simply start the count over. I think that's a really great way to just, you know, because at the end of the day, your mind is 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 no different than any other skill or area of your body that you need to train, right? You need to train it, you need to work Absolutely. on it. And if you want to be more present, many times that requires some level of discipline and we don't really get any <laughs> discipline in any area of our life unless we train it. So that's a super simple exercise is a, is a counter breathing exercise. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for coming on today. I've appreciated this conversation. I know that not all of our kids are going to end up with college scholarships and become professional athletes, but there's a lot of this mental performance coaching that we all need, I think, because we're all performing on some level. Well, like I said, thank you so much for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. If there's a, a topic that your audience wish that we would have dove into yeah. more of, I'd be happy to come on and, and break it down anytime. So. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. Now, don't forget, you are exactly the right mom for your kids. I am so glad that you're here in this moment with me. I like you just the way you are, and I hope you go leave a rating and review. That is all I'm asking for for my birthday this month. Thank you.